Wales Open, they're away in the Golden Slipper. There's a great start. And Mick Mid Basque on the extreme outside is about the first out. Jack Yagler on the outside, lunging, but Catlin opening just in front. Jackler trying desperately, can't reach him. Catlin opening has lasted to win the Doncaster by a hit to Jackler. This Iron podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis. Harness Racing New South Wales has established a much-needed initiative to help harness racing participants who are struggling with personal issues through these tough times. It's called Mates for Harness, and it offers a helping hand to anybody struggling with the ravages of drug or alcohol abuse, domestic violence or mental illness. Mates for Harness is there for anybody needing a helping hand. The support group is headed up by the very experienced Morris Logue, Chaplain Colin Watts and a sports psychologist Oliver Britt. Ambassadors are on standby all over the state. In the metro area, it's Darren Binskin. The Hunter, Peter Allen. The Northwest, Leanne Flower. The Western Districts, Amy Reese. The Riverina, Seren Adams. And the Far West, Steve and Marie Robinson. If you need to talk to somebody, Mates for Harness can help www.matesforharness.com.au or ring Morris Logue on 0400-984-193. You don't need to be alone. Talk it over with a mate. Dennis Wilson was one of the best horsemen and toughest competitors I came across in my time in harness racing. His horses were always super fit and he drove in races until age 64 with the aggression and determination of a much younger man. In his most productive years, Dennis won two New South Wales trainers' premierships and many provincial titles. On four occasions, he topped 100 training wins for the season. He competed at the top level with outstanding horses like At It Again, Zyuganoff Lee, Seals to Sam, Young Mr Charles, Generator and a few others who would have reached great heights barring injury. He learned the trade from great trainers like the late Stan Bond and Fran Donahue, the only female trainer to win a Harold Park Premiership. Fran is now in retirement at Coffs Harbour and I'm hoping to record a podcast with her in the near future. Dennis Wilson's talents as a trainer and driver is exceeded only by his ability as a raconteur and storyteller. His regular recitals at Sydney trotting meetings became legendary, despite the fact that some could never have been repeated in mixed company. Already the recipient of a full hip and knee replacement, Dennis is now struggling with another troublesome hip which will require surgery in the near future. I also hear on the grapevine that his 70th birthday is coming up on the 22nd of October. So let's make this a birthday podcast with a great horseman and a great character. Happy birthday, Den. Great to catch up. No, thanks, John. It's great great to hear your dulcet tones again. You know, following that knee and hip replacement you had last year, you appeared to be out of the woods for a while, but you were out walking one day and you became suddenly aware that you had another problem. Yeah, I was just walking down there. There's a walk down here and then not far from here along the river, about mm. four kilometres long. A lot of people utilise it. And I was just walking back after about a 40-minute walk and I just went crunch. I went, oh, 
Here we go again. So uh, I got home and then made an appointment to go and see the local GP and we took some photographs and off to the specialist and uh, guess what? <laughs> right. Well, when, when the surgery happens and you're back to your best, can we look forward to seeing you training horses again on a smaller scale? Absolutely, John. If this mare I've got Bama Hanover, if she goes and follows a Heston blue chip, I've all the determination in the world I want to train this rising cult of Philly or whatever it'll be. But uh, that's two years down the track because it hasn't even, mare has not been inseminated yet. But mm. all being well, I'm looking forward to uh, training a baby of our own mare. Great. You had a few cracks at giving race driving away. The first time was in 2006, and I can clearly remember you telling me the story. You drove a winner at a Tuesday meeting at Harold Park and as you paraded the horse in front of the empty grandstand, you suddenly became very depressed by the lack of atmosphere. It had quite an effect on you at the time. Yes, John, you're like, you're like me. We went through the days of the uh, big crowds and crowds that the young trainers and drivers today would not totally understand or even get the gist of, you know, and uh, and the slowly demise of the on-course uh, patron and that. And, uh Things uh, led one to another, and I was getting a bit old, and I just thought, oh, I'll be, I was in my early 60s at this stage, and I just looked up at the ground, and I said, yeah, I don't need this to come back here on a Tuesday night, no one to clap you, no mm. one to boo you, or anything. I used to like getting booed, it was all part of the deal, <laughs> you know? and, uh, and, uh, and everybody just packs up and goes home, we used to always stop around and have a few drinks and talk, and it lost all its, uh, all its glamour like that for me, so... Mm. I just spoke to Ron Bottles as I was going off the track when he was checking whips. I said, I won't be back as a driver, Ron. I said, this is enough for me. And yeah. then the rest of the story, you know, you know. Yeah. Dennis, I can remember Friday nights at Harold Park in the middle of winter, like July or August back in the 60s and 70s, there'd be 15,000 people there. People, yeah, exactly. And, and for four to six weeks, I'm not sure of the length, They'd close down because it was classified as being too cold to race on. Yeah? Mm-hmm. That's right, and they'd race at Hawkesbury of all yeah, places on a Friday night. All places for Hawkesbury, and they'd go in the back straight. The last horse, when they come in the home straight, it'd be in front, but Lord knows what happened in that two furlong down the back straight. In the pea soup fog. In the pea soup fog, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, you continued to train, of course, but you used a number of catch drivers for a few years until temptation got the better of you again. You had an odd drive here and there without taking it too seriously, and we think your last winning drive was behind a trotting mare called Wrapped in a Rainbow in a standing start race at Menangle not that long ago, 2014. You were 64 then. Yes, I think it might have been the lure of the standing start, and that's what I grew up with. I really don't know, John, but... Anyway, I'd been driving her through her early career because she was a pacer to her trotter, and if you didn't know her, she'd pace out of the gate mm. or pace off the start. Stands. Yeah. I was sort of uh, my old age with uh, my bit of knowledge. I was educating her to trot off the stands, and she led all the way, all the way there one day and won. And then she actually went to Sal Moran, I think, or might have been a bit before that. She went to Sal Moran, the, the guy that won the Victorian Cup, and he won her but big bonus with her. Mm. And then she came home and started to go store on the tendons. And she herself has got a pretty good trotter in Melbourne, you know, mm. uh, a son racing down there. Now, Dan, after some investigation, we think your very last drive in a race 
may have been on a horse called Wyckoff in a Breeders' Challenge heat, same year, 2014. Uh, yeah, no, no, it was a, a much later. It was, um, I, well, it might have, I'm really not sure of the date. It was yeah. a, I'm sure it was a two-year-old race, uh, but I, yeah, I was still at the stables down at my sister's. Yeah. Was it wasn't it yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't yesterday, put it that way. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't driving. And the owner, the the people that had been driving for me, David Morrison, I think they had other drivers. And, mm. and Theo said to me, he's got no chance, that's the owner. He said, you drive him. I want to see you drive him. I said, oh, Theo, I'm driving a race for yeah. 12 months or something. And he said, no, you bloody drive him. So mm. I jumped in and drove him. And I shot him straight out of the gate. He got the one one and the leader. The thing in the desk went to the lead and I was left parked, but I ran last, but mm. who cares? Yeah. So you didn't go out in a blaze of glory? No, I didn't go out in a blaze of glory, no. <laughs> I started in the blaze of glory. I won my first ever drive in a race. I know. We'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> now, Dan, your last black type winner as a trainer was a filly called Denise's Legacy in the Group 2 Pink Bonnet 2013, yep. driven by a young bloke who's still going strong, Called David Morris. You were one of his tutors at the time. Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. And quick story: his father came out to the farm where I was at the time, out where Luke uh, Luke is now, and uh, he helped fix the back of my truck and I uh, the tailboard. And I went off him some money for some checkerboard, and then I said, "No, I don't want no money." He said, "I just want you to help give give young David a push when he starts driving. He's going to start driving soon." And I said, "You sure?" And he said, "Yeah, no." Nah. So I said, "Shook you down." Said, "Yeah, no, I'll do that." Anyway, that's the result end of that story. David won that group uh, group race. Yeah. Mm. Lovely young man and uh, oh, very, very capable, Dennis. He does a great yeah. job. Very capable. He's got two beautiful young children and a good wife and Steph. And he's just a good family-orientated young bloke. None of that, no crap in him, yeah? And his partner, Stephanie Lippiat, hasn't yeah. stopped driving winners the last few yeah, months. Well, it, you know, he still rings me up every Thursday night on the way to Penrith. Mm. And Steph's in the car, and then they put it on loudspeaker. And I said, I always just say, Don't you beat him by too fast, Steph. <laughs> <laughs> Stirring. Yes. Now, Dan, before we profile the best horses you trained at the pinnacle of your career, let's find out how you found your way into the game. You grew up in the suburb of Auburn, a Correct. stone's yep. throw from the Granville showground where a big number of horses were trained right up until the late 1980s. Uh, when the AH&I Society asked the trainers to move on. Now, you had a mate called Grant Fuller, whose dad worked a few horses at Granville, and that's how you caught the bug. That's correct. Yeah, Grant uh, went to the same school as me, and oddly enough, Rodney Vernon was in that group, and he's Mm. still training, uh, driving and training, I think, in Melbourne somewhere. Mm. But, um, yeah, Grant and I used to go down not around Grant's place because yeah, he was a good mate of mine, still is, and uh, and the horses, of course, was the main draw card. And uh, we used to get the job of because uh, Alan would go to work in the afternoon. He was some form of electrician on the railway or something like that, I believe, if my memory's correct. Mm. And we used to go and uh, the streets of Auburn and where they live on that back section, uh, they were dirt, and he used to jog them around the dirt roads there and that. And we used to have to take them for walks, and I come up with this brilliant idea we we'd ride them so grant and i used to get on and ride them and yeah. bearing in mind we're only 13 or 14 yeah. and we'd ride 
horses around and we jump them off the edge of the gutters because there was no tar road or anything but, and that would make them we they'd be pacing or trotting and we'd jump them off the edge or we'd, you'd jump them off the edge of the gutter and the leap into the unknown where they'd come down cantering so we'd canter them and old alan caught us one day i, I don't want to tell you what happened after that no i don't want to hear <laughs> now dan when you were in your late teens your parents moved to katoomba where horses were still being trained on that tiny little Katoomba showground. Yeah, that's correct, John. You'd be well aware registered meetings were held there in the 1940s and 50s, and they attracted big crowds. And, Dennis, I'll drop two names here from your era, two drivers who won their first race ever on the Katoomba showground, A.D. Turnbull. Turnbull, that's correct, yeah. And O.W. Glenn Denning. Yes, that's right. Drove their first winner on that little tiny track. How far around was it? Uh, it was uh, about uh, um, under the old scale. It was two furlongs and a couple of couple of yards around. Mm. You know, a leader's paradise. Should, absolutely, and we and uh, if you run off the track halfway down the back straight, you said downhill a bit, or not straight, <laughs> the back curvature of it. <laughs> if you went out over through the outside fence there, they had to, they would have to get Burke and Wills to find you. It was a major drop, you know. <laughs> well, a Katoomba trainer by the name of Stan Bond was looking for a stable hand and you got the job. Fancy stumbling upon a horseman of his knowledge and his ability, Stan Bond. What a tutor. Yeah, well, yeah, no, he was a great tutor to me and he was a good friend and he was a really a father figure to me, you know what I mean? Mm. And But it all happened, my brother, I was hitchhiking or catching, a, I was working at, um, oh, jeez, what's the name, Road and Stoves at Lidcombe there on uh, mm. Paramount Road in Joe's Corner, Paramount Road, Joe Street, Lidcombe, and I was working there. Ray Conway lived in the same street, oddly enough. Yeah. And he, I, um, my brother said to me one day, he said, uh, they got them, um, them things you like, them horses. I said, what horse? He said, them things pull the buggy, you know. Mm. And I said, there's one comes past down the back here every day, the back lane. I mean, so I waited and it was young, a young Kevin Chisholm come down on one of Stan Bond's horses. He, he was Stan's stepson. Yeah. So I introduced myself. We got talking and he said, you go, Daryl Park? I said, yeah. He said, well, you ever want to ride home? You see the name Stan Bond. I said, I know the name. And mm. he said, well, he's just up the road here. So anyway, I'd done that one night and uh, mm. it was a hell of a ride home because he just got beat on a mare called Carabon in a protest. And uh, I went up there and I sort of got home and we got home all sorts of hours. And he said, right, out, make a cup of tea, Joan, to his wife. And he made a cup of tea. And he said, come on, he had two gallopers. We had to take them all the way back down. We never slept. Went straight back down to Hawkesbury mm. over the back roads and uh, worked with two gallopers, then come home. And so I stayed there for years. <laughs> yeah. Your magical first winning drive came along in the late 1960s when Stan Bond put you on a horse called John Hall at Maitland. Dennis, the trots at Maitland back then got huge crowds. Oh, mate, they were bigger than Ben Hur. Mm. The cars were all around the place. They used to lean over the fence and want to pat the horses. They were 10 deep thronging to get a look at the horses, you know, mm. and all that. It was just incredible. And I thought to myself, I thought I was in Disneyland. I've probably been there ever since, but I thought I was in Disneyland, you know what I mean? I couldn't yeah. believe the crowd, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like you... going to a football match. We used to go to West West football matches at Old Lidcombe Oval where they had the bike yeah. races and and that's the atmosphere. It was like a velodrome, yeah. Mm. Did you lead in that race? Yeah, I led. I jumped to the front from a stand and start yeah. and all that. He ran them there in them days and stand and start and yeah. he led all the way, yeah. Yeah. Then they're going one 
50 or 151 in maiden races now at Menangle. Do you know what the mile rate was in that race of John Hall's? Yeah, I can tell you. I think it was something like 217 or something like that. You know? Oh, no, quicker than that. It was 212.8. Two, 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 yeah, 212, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your first yeah. Harold Park winner was on a pretty good horse called Master Findlay, trained by Eldon Papworth. Now, at your age and stage then, just to drive in a race on that sacred site must have been an enormous thrill. Uh, I can't describe it, John. I still, well, the word's not goosebumps, but I still get good feelings. And as you get older, the feelings become tears in your eyes. But you, um, I remember just going, and when I come out of that, where it wasn't a tunnel in the days, I was up over that little hump straight on the track and you turn left, and just going up there and they're introducing you. And, I, and I'm thinking, can't believe that I'm bloody here. This mm. this just yeah, incredible, you know what I mean? And uh I um I uh it was the same when I went out with John Hall for my first drive on him there. Mm. And Wilco just beat me on something. I can't think what it was now. Mm. But Master Finlay when I went when I come back and they they're all cheering for me and mm. I thought this is it, this is what I've always wanted for a fourteen year old kid mm. nicking off going to the race at Arrow Park. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was a sacred place, wasn't it? Oh yeah well you know, you just couldn't be anybody and go there and win a race. Uh, I, I think that's the way to put it. You had to earn your passage, you know, your right of passage to be there to race your horses in them days. But now, in the latter days, Harold Park, it didn't matter if you had a horse with five legs and five tails, they mm. wanted you there to race because they couldn't attract anybody to race for you. Mm. Do you remember an old horse called Jekyll? He was very near and dear to you. You got him to train very early in your solo career. You won 10 with him. He was unsound. He hadn't raced for two years when he turned up at your place. That's correct. The bulk of his work, he used to swim in AM and PM in the morning. I used to jog him and camp him a bit on the sand track to get him fit, Mm. and then we'd take him down the river and I'd I'd ride him in because I was young and silly and ride him in and swim him in the river down the... uh, an angle here and uh, uh, AM and PM. Yeah, not so much in the PM in the winter, but AM, <laughs> AM yeah. in the, in yeah. the and PM in the summer. And that's that was his sole work. And he he, yeah. he was a very good horse to me. Well, you did a great job. It's hard to win ten. Now, yeah. Dennis, to highlight all of the good ones to pass through your hands would take seven podcasts. So Correct. let me just pluck some of your personal favourites. You did a lot of freelance driving early on. And one beautiful little horse you drove frequently for Fran Donahue was Lehigh Lad, who yeah. performed creditably at the top level if he got the right run. His manners were impeccable, and what a ripper he was off the standing starts. Yeah, I agree from the standing starts. I think I won my first six or seven on or eight maybe before he went to um went to Tasmania and Fran come with me and I could tell she was upset. I thought, what's she going on about, but that's how it was. It was tough in them days, you know, mm. and the owner had approached her and talked to her and they said, look, we know you drove him early in his early career and won all them races and that, but we feel we still need a more experienced person to go on him mm. into this. It wasn't called Group 1 racing at that stage, mm. but into this much higher level, you know, and it was a little bit of a kick in the bum, but um, I accepted it because that's just the way it was, you know, and you understood it and you knew if you were patient enough, your shot would come, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it did big time. Yep. 
Dan, one of your earliest really He went on good... and won that race. He went on and won the, the two heats in the final mm. of that Tasmanian Pan Championship. Yeah. yeah, and who drove him there? Richard Hancock. Mm. One of the best I ever saw, Dan. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. They all wrap his brother, but too, what? Oh, he very, he's in my very, top group. Absolute top group, uh, Richard Hancock. Very, Brilliant driver. Extremely good horseman, mm. but a very good, quick-thinking driver, you know? Mm. One of your earliest good horses was Generator. You inherited him from Victorian Connections after he'd won a couple and you took him to a new level. He took a bit of work. You tell me he was a lazy bugger. Yeah, well, actually, I didn't quite get him from Victoria. Mm. I got him from Keith, um, um, a brother of Keith, it was old Keith Kelly. Yep. And uh, he was a local bloke. But anyway, I... Um, I, I got him to train. I don't know whether Keith retired or, or, or the people moved him on to me and uh, I was up and coming and uh, I think they just wanted to move with the times a bit. That's probably the best way to put it, mm. which quite often happens, still happening today. Anyway, um, I got him, but he was a bugger to train, not hard to train. He just wouldn't work. He was so, mm. so lazy. So jogging machines were just coming to the fore then and uh, mm. I used to hook him on the back of the jogging machine. We jogged for... 40 or 50 minutes in them days and sometimes an hour, and he had to do the work. And I could see muscle tone and himself building up, and every second time I hobbled him, I could just see a bit, bit of twitch in him. And mm. he was very much like his father, Gamalite. He had yeah. to chase the crap out of him and frighten him all the way to go. But he ended up winning, um, I think, Surrounders Island or something like that. He won the mm. Kilmore Cup and won a heat of, the, uh, heat of some big race in uh, Tasmania, and he won the... Uh, Clean sweep of the Victorian um, four-year-old size snakes to heat the semi in the final, you know. So, mm. No, he was a very good horse. I'll scoby to it. Without question, your all-time favourite was the charismatic At It Again. Winner of 28 races in all, he'd been with Darren Hancock previously, but owner Reg Turner decided to transfer him to you and this was the horse to take you to dizzy heights. An Australian pacing championship, a Ben-Hur at Harold Park, a race which is no longer run, and the Truer Memorial. And then in 2000, he won three heats of the Albion Park Inter-Dominion before being run down and beaten by Yule Star in the grand final. On the turn, Dennis, in the grand final, I thought you were home. Yeah, well, i got to admit, Saturday, I was still travelling strong and... Um, uh... Teddy, uh, Teddy Demler, I think, I'm trying to think the name of that horse, Greenish fellow it might have been, I know that was probably a bit previous. Um, oh, no, geez, I can't think of the horse. But anyway, the winner that beat me, he was on the three or four fence and he went to come out and I'm sure it was Teddy saying, hey, hey, don't come out there yet. And the, mm. the, the Kiwi driver went back in, you know, and then you wouldn't believe it if, if, He'd have come out, he'd have been locked up more than he was on the fence, the way the race unfolded. Yeah. The line got going. And so he, he got a better run by absolutely being a polite driver and staying on the fence. He got yeah. up and beat me last drive, yeah. And it was right up Yule Star's alley. He was a real sit-sprint horse, wasn't he? Oh, Very quick. Yeah. Very quick. And, you know, like, uh, and that, and uh, he, um, but, you know, like, it's a funny game. He come home, they beat me in the Dominion and, if they come down to Sydney and stayed with us and all that, we formed a great association mm. for those people who are very elderly now, Lorraine and, uh, mm. oh, jeez, I can't think of it. No, Nolan was the name? Lorraine and Des Nolan or something yeah. like that it was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, so Ted Demler cost you that Inter-Dominion Grand Final. 
Well, yeah, by singing out to the bloke. Yeah, <laughs> indirectly. I'll never yeah. forgive you. I said, no, I'm only joking. <laughs> now, while we're on at it again, Dennis, let's look at his narrow defeat by Holmes DG in the 2000 Miracle Mile. Well, I knew it, that was coming. <laughs> yeah, it was a spine-tingling finish and the New Zealander beat you by a cigarette paper. Now, That's you correct. and the owner, Reg Turner, requested the opportunity to view a copy of the photo finish print. And yeah, after that, was some, that, uh, that was a week or so later, yes. Yep. And then Reg lodged an objection in the belief the result should have been a dead heat. Yeah, we never ever were going for the win, John. Yeah, only the dead heat. Yeah, but you, you'd have copped a dead heat suite. Yep. <laughs> now, the inquiry was reconvened at Harold Park the following week. The New South Wales Harness Racing Club ratified the decision and dismissed Reg Turner's objection, and Reg's let it rest. That's it. He just let it rest. He just said, shook his head and walked out. And uh, it was hard because Holmes DG was staying with me at the time, and uh, and Barry stayed in, in Sydney with his wife Katrina because I was flying home that the next morning. And mm. and uh, here I am. I'm taking the horse home that beat me a mm. beat me a uh, hair's breadth and uh, feed him, look after him for a couple of more days. But yeah. it they are great people, and to this day remain very staunch and good friends of mine. Now, Dennis, what was it about that photo finish print uh, well, that, that spurred Reg Turner to lodge an ejection? Well, actually, a client of mine, and also another lifetime friend, Noel Howlett, he's a printer. And uh, I never even viewed it on the night because uh, it was a crowd and busy and uh, I accepted it and I just got beat, you know. And Barry turned to me on the track and said, I think you beat me on, mate. I said, I hope so. You're right. Uh, anyway, uh, but moving on to Noel Howlett again, uh, he, he was a printer and he got must have got to Reg Turner somehow. I'm not sure how. And he produced a, 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 the the photo finish and an A4 size blank piece of white paper. And he said, your horse has got a, a, a brown, real light brown nuzzle, a muzzle, sorry, mm. and uh, home CGs is black. Mm. And he said, and there's the line. He said, the track soaks up part of your horse's uh, muzzle because it's the same colour. And to which he put down the A4 bit of paper straight down the photo finish line mm. and both horses were on the on the on the line and they wouldn't let us do that in the inquiry so we just had to, we just let it rest <laughs> and it passed quietly into history absolutely except every time I do an interview it comes up <laughs> <laughs> now then the added against truer memorial win uh, was effortless i think he won by 20 meters that's correct, yes, yes. And I old see, second to him, yeah? Yeah, Zyuganov Lease ran second, and I can still see you looking around, and yep. I mean having a good peek over your left yeah. shoulder to yeah. see where Bomber was, as you call yeah, Zyuganov yeah, Lease. I wasn't worried about the result because I knew I had that in hand, and <laughs> I was looking back and saying, come on, Bomber, go, Bomber, go, Bomber. I wanted to get the Granilla, see? Yeah, and you did. The group one, yeah. yeah, we'll come back to Bomber in a moment. Dennis, at it again... I seem to remember him as a plain-looking horse, and you you couldn't call him an aristocratic type. No, well, if you watch seen him on the farm, people had come in and he was the horse that pulled the lake, the plough to dig the potatoes. You know? so, <laughs> yeah. He had a buff head. Yeah, a bit a bit of a long head and uh, a bit of a square body and a 
a neck that didn't quite fit the body and uh, you know, yeah. Um, yeah but he uh, the heart and the legs went quick enough yeah what a motor yeah. now Zayuganov leash uh, you won a string of races with him uh, the 2000 yeah. Kilmore Cup nine years after your Kilmore Cup win with Generator. That's you, correct. Yes. You won an Inter-Dominion heat at Mooney Valley in 2000, Shaker Makers year. You won yes. a Newcastle Marathon off 30. You won a Shirley Turnbull Memorial. You won a Renshaw Cup at Penrith. All up, that horse won 31 races. He would have won a few in Tasmania before he came yeah, over, yeah. I presume. Yeah, a pretty good track record. He came and stayed with me at, uh, before I moved out to the farm at Barbara and Charlie's place in Menangle there. And as a three-year-old Wayne, uh, Barry's father brought him up. And uh, mm. I think he won the Simpson Sprint or something. That would have to be checked. But he come and won something there. And then as a four-year-old or a late four-year-old, might have been four-year-old, he came to me because of the lack of competition and races in Tasmania for him, yeah? which mm. a lot of the lease and the rat ray horses did at that time. Yeah. You tell a good story about the night he had his first start at Harold Park. You spotted his Tasmanian owners actually sitting in the grandstand as you took him onto the track. You were yeah. not expecting them? Uh, no, no, I wasn't sort of expect. I was expecting them, and they turned up late. And mm. but, oh, geez, this has been come down, introduced himself. Up until this stage, I'd only spoken to him on the phone, Trevor. You know, mm. and then as he's walking out, he said, "Dennis, where do you think I should sit?" I said, oh, I said, go down there, I said, in the parade, bring around up the steps and just sit right there in the front. That's where a lot of the owners and the trainers are there and you'll get a good, clear view of the run home and everything else like that, you know. Mm. So in in my mind, I kind of had a spot. And then I seen him, uh, seen him sitting there as I went out to do the post parade. Anyway, the race was run and won. And just as I got across the line, I don't know what made me look up, but I think he was the only bloke standing up going, yay, with his hand up above his head. Oh, you know, <laughs> there he is. He's definitely yeah. there. Yeah. And uh, they probably met you then at the horse stalls and you made it official. Yeah, they come, they come running down, yes. That's yeah. it, yes. You had a lot of fun with uh, a horse called Petrovsky in the early 2000s. I think you won 17 races with him. He was named after his owner. Actually, I was talking to Chris Petrosky this morning. He, he rang up just to have a chat, as he does once every two months or three months or vice versa, and mm. uh, only like half an hour before you rang up. And, uh, yes, they were just talking old times, and he's had a bit of health problems too, but he's getting on. He's not 70, but he's in his mid-60s, I think. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, no, he was a great horse. I'll never forget. We used to buy a horse each and own half each in them and uh, that type of thing. And uh, one he named the first one, and I named the second one, and we got to where we had Petrovsky, and uh, he said, oh, it's your turn to name him. I said, yeah, right. I said, oh, I couldn't work out what to call him. I always like to call horses just with one name. I didn't care if you called him Fred or Barney or whatever. I often put their stable name in, you know. Yeah. Anyway, um, I said, I put Petrovsky, and he got it. He rang up, he'll never be any good. He said, oh, he's a name. And he turned out to be Petrovsky. <laughs> mm, 17 wins. Pretty hard to do. Wins. Yeah, a good few in Monero Park, too, you know, so. Now, Dan, young Mr. Charles had several trainers during his 119 start career, but you were his first and you That's did correct. very well with him. I think you won a derby with him. Yeah, I won the Sydney Derby, New South Wales Derby. Mm. Um, I won a race at Bathurst. I don't think they hold it no more. It was sort of a, a race worth going for now, but I think it gradually died in statue on time. It was actually called the Little Brown Jug, oddly mm. enough, like the Aussie version. Because the, the sister, sister to Bathurst, is a 
is the same city that's in uh, Delaware or something in uh, in America, Tabathus is in Australia, mm. and they came up with this conception to run this race. You know, and mm. I don't know if I won the first one or the second one, but I'll never forget Greg Turnbull, the late Greg Turnbull, said to me after the race they had one in it, and he pulled up, and then he heard the times. And it was only on the old track, you know, not none of this new business. And uh, mm. he said to me, "That's a very good horse." And I said, oh, "I believe he is too, Greg." And he said, mm. "No, he is, because he said he run no horse. Hondo Grattan wouldn't run that time." Yeah. That was like that, that horse went tonight, you know. Mm. We were under under pressure from the time they said go, you know. Mm. You tell me Spring Yellow Fella was a very good horse, 17 wins. Yeah, he was a lovely little horse. He, um, I went, uh, burled him off Bernie Kelly for a, a mob that was doing syndicate racing under the, um, oh, John, um, no, I can't think of his name. It's terrible, isn't it? I hope all these people here this apologise. I'm apologising to you now. Uh, anyway, he bought him. He was just starting syndications and things like that, and uh, they found this. They found him, and uh, uh, I went down and, and bought him. I didn't trial him. They paid for him. I just went down and met Bernie Kelly halfway with him, and uh, then I looked up his pedigree, and he was sort of pretty well bred for a horse at the time, and he turned into be Spring Yellow Fellow. He Money heat of the, uh, the uh, what do you call it, the brown um, old crown, and uh, mm. then he dead heated in the, the second and third in the final to um, old uh, Tony Higgs's old horse, the, was it the executioner or something like that, or mm. that might be it. Yeah, I think the executioner, mm. some name like that, and uh, and he went on to win size heats and everything else, and close to a hundred thousand. He was just a lovely, lovely racehorse, mm. a lovely horse to be around. Yeah. Seals to Sam wasn't a, a great a great talent, but almost uncontrollable. He yeah. knew only one speed. Now, like at it again, he was owned by Reg Turner's Dominator Syndicate. He snared a big one for you early on when you took him all the way to Perth to win the Gold Nugget at Gloucester Park. Yeah, that's correct. He went to the Gold Nugget and uh, he won that, and then he went back the next year. No, he went there the first year and he won the Australian Derby as a three-year-old and then he went back as a four-year-old and won the, the Golden Nugget. But quick little story, just before I went for the Australian Derby, he'd won six or seven in a row. Mm. And uh, I'd never, ever let him rip because it used to stir him up too much for his next run. I used to do the Chris Waller on the wings, try and keep him on a quiet rain all the time. And... Uh, mm. I let him rip this night and he won by about 30-odd metres, 40 metres or something. And I'll never forget Jimmy Brown. He came in, he said, why did you do that, old fella? And I said, well, I said, right at the very moment, they know he's going to Perth next week. I said, they're just all shit in their pants and give up. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what and that's, happened. That's, that's what happened. <laughs> well, Dennis, you put a lot of work into him. Uh, but yeah, despite I, I just that, got, I've got, got to give Jimmy Brown a lot of credit with that horse. Have you? He used to jog him, jog him himself, handle him a lot. He became his favourite horse, you know, mm. under my guidance. But and he always wanted to drive him in a race, and I just couldn't get Reg to 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 to, to, to let it, to let him do it, you know. And he mm. he used to work him without a chain, but he used to race with a chain. Jimmy could drive him at home without a chain, and yeah. we always. Have a difference of opinions about racing and working at home without the chain and or race and racing with it, you know, or mm. racing without it. But Jimmy, I've got to give him a lot of credit for that horse. Yeah. Well, despite your efforts, he continued to be a tear away. And one night at Harold Park, I'll never forget this, 
It was a Miracle Mile qualifier. It might have been called the Cordina Sprint a week That's before correct. the Miracle Mile. You drew six, you crossed, you led, and you snapped. You said, if you want to run, boy, run. You, and boy, yeah, I boy, holy stage. smoke, didn't he, didn't he fly right, that he went, night? Funny thing, he won at the same race the year before and they didn't put him in the race. They made him second reserve. Mm. And then he won it in a little bit quicker time and I thought, still thought they won't put him in um, the next year. This is the year we're talking about. Mm. Anyway, but as I went up to turn around at the crowd, the horse started to rear up, which he could do and, and refused to turn and all sorts of bloody things. And, mm. and he's rearing up and, and striking in the air with his front feet like he was performing for the crowd. And the crowd took it as a performance. Oh, God. And Paul screaming and yelling and running, wanting to pat him and that. And, and John Dumas, he can run up. Let him do it again. I said, Jesus Christ, John, I've got to work him tomorrow. And he, uh, I took him back and he ran up again. And that. I've done that about three times in the crowd. was going ballistic. Yeah. You know, about this performing horse, you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, they put him in. And I, I, I to this day, I believe that he put him in because of his performing, not in the heat of his performing horses and he'd attract more people. Yeah. Well, he ran in the Miracle Mile a week later. What happened there, Dan? Well, he let up and he capitulated. They were just too good for him. You know? Yes. Simple as that. You told me once one that got away was a horse called Soakey's Gidget who only had a handful of starts and went amiss. Yeah, that's true, John. I believe um, – I get asked questions a lot of time. I never leave Frank off the top of the list. Mm. But I believe potentially, that's why I use the word potentially, mm. it was probably the best horse I've ever had. Really? He had three starts as a two-year-old. He was raging favourite in the pre-betting for the Bathurst Gold Crown. And I took another nice little horse at the same time to um, to uh, New Zealand, a horse mm. called, uh, oh, this is terrible, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll think of his name as a girl. Uh, our new life to uh, New Zealand. He won a hundred thousand dollars sort of a race there and that. But anyway, that's not the story. Quickly getting back to how he did that. He had the he won in two. Won his first start. Uh, Bankstown in the two year old race and the late Rod Fitzpatrick. That's the fastest two year old I've ever seen here in my life. Mm. Anyway, he went about ten days later at Arrow Park and he won the Breeders' Plate. I think it was or, or the Useful Stakes, one of those races. Mm. And, uh, and he went fifty nine and nine. And old George Eight until I've never seen a two year old break two minutes. Rolly Allen did it. But mm. in a, actually in a race, and then I went to New Zealand. Uh, I nominated him in the uh, there was ten thousand dollar two year old race. The name of it eludes me. It was named after one of their late presidents or something like that up that way. And Peter Morris went up and drove him for me. And uh, he said, rang me, and I rang him in New Zealand. And from New Zealand, uh, he said, "How do you want me to drive this horse?" You know, he's drawn inside the second line of orange, and it was under a half mile track. I said, mm. "I don't care what you do." I want you to only do one thing. I said, I'll pay the fine. Get off the fence. Yeah. Just, yeah. As soon as they say go, you just pull back or don't even take part in it. Well, actually, I remember listening to the announcer, and the announcer said, Oh, and this favourite has, has, has gone back the last, this way two lengths last after start, couldn't possibly win. And he went back to calling the, lead, the leaders, and he said, Now, and quickly joined on the outside by, and he paused. So like, he couldn't believe it. So he did. He won by about thirty meters. He yeah. went two, two, two around orange or something. I just don't do it. But potentially he was the best horse I ever had. And what happened to him, Dad? Tendon? Well, he, Charlie was. I was still in New Zealand. No, Charlie was working him one day early in the morning. You know, because mm -hmm. uh, Charlie used to have to go to work in them days, I think. And 
he yeah, this was at Menangal, and uh, they'd left the tap running. And he went onto the track and was warming up, and he jumped something. Charlie didn't know what it was. And uh, he thought he was all right, and then he started to get lame. But when he went around, the tap had left a big water, a little narrow watermark across uh, the across the bloody track, and he jumped it. He just wasn't going any great speed. I think he was only warming up, and he just landed the wrong way. And, you know, it never healed properly, that, that, yeah. that pedal bone. You know? They screwed it when they're back to New Zealand. He had 12 months off here, and he was still lame going on the plane. And then mm. he won a race somewhere on a grass track, and I just – he never showed his potential. I just, I really just think he broke down again. The champion who never was, Soaky's Gidget. Yeah, yeah, I, I can, I, I have no fear of saying that. Mm. You mentioned the name there a minute back, Rolliella, who was a brilliant juvenile. You know, some of your friends to this day testify that Dennis Wilson's best ever race drive was the night uh, you drove a three-year-old called Elegant Run in a race against Rolliella at Harold Park. Rolliella was obviously long odds on, and I think he jumped straight to the front. You were out the back somewhere. Yeah, I was about three back. I was only a smallish field of like about eight or seven, something like that. Mm. Anyway, I uh, I was about one out three back, and Rolliella led, and he's, Kevin's driving this horse, and Kevin Rivet, and he's trying to get a probably an easy run. He was on a world champion, and he's trying to get a 33-quarter. So I... Thought, well, I'm out, I'm out of this. I'm not in this. I'll get outside him. I'll run second at the, the worst because we'll just pack right up, you know, again. And when I took off, he didn't see me coming. I went whoosh. By the time he turned the stick around to stake him up, I'd crossed him, backed off, and got him back locked in this seven-horse field in behind me. Mm. So we turned for home, and he went to go to the outside of me. So I moved out a bit. And then he went to switch back <laughs> to go to the inside of me. So I let him roll back to the fence. I just went on all the way down the straight, and I've won. Yeah. And Kevin did, I thought he'd lodge a protest, but he didn't lodge a protest. And uh, I think in them days, stewards were reluctant and still had a lodge protest, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, they've had us in the room. And as we're talking in the room, I could see the focus on more on Kevin's driving than mine. So I let it roll that way. And I still had got the race. And they were still, when I left, they were reprimanding me for being a bit careless in the run home. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, they were still grilling for old Kevin when I left. Mm-hmm. You were a wily old fox, weren't you? Well, I was young fox then, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah been... I always study drivers a lot often more than horses, you know? Yeah, my word. You've been an aficionado of this sport for more than 50 years. You've watched all of the top drivers of your generation and you've been unwavering in your opinion that you've never seen a better one than the late Kevin Newman winner of 10 Harold Park Trainers Premierships and eight in the driving ranks. We lost Kevin just over three years ago. Yes, we did. It was a sad day for harness racing and um, he was my idol. And uh, I did at one stage try to copy uh, his driving style, but then someone said to me once, you, you got your own style, you're driving your own own style. Mm. Like uh, Kevin Hume's Kevin Newman, Persall's Persall, Brian Gath's Brian Gath. And so on and so on, you know, and yeah. Dennis Wilson, Dennis Wilson. And I took that aboard and I thought, well, they're right. And in a way I went. But uh, it's a late, great person once said to me, we were just talking, he said, that man could outdrive anybody with one hand tied behind his back. And Perth was a bit slow in giving out um, ac- acknowledgements to other trainers or drivers. You know? yeah. He rarely lavished praise on his contemporaries. 
yes. yes. He, <laughs> and he said that of Kevin Newman, did he? <laughs> he said that of Kevin Newman, yeah. And mm. uh, and and uh, as I say, it was also a dream of mine to drive one of his horses one day. I drive in their colours, mm. and I got the bloody golden opportunity. I went to been to Wyong, and Ray Dennis was driving for him at the time, and mm. I got to uh, Bankstown, and I'll never forget the horse cross ditch. Mm. Was its name by Garrison Hanover. Anyway, Kevin's come running up with the colours in his hand. This when he was just he retired from driving altogether, and he mm. said, "Dennis, can you drive this horse?" Wayne's rung up and said to get you to drive it because he's stuck in traffic and won't make it. I said, "Oh yeah, right, eh?" Mm. So it's jumped straight in the bloody front and shit in, you know. Oops, sorry, <laughs> uh, and it altered him, and um, uh, he was all agog about that. But no, there was no happier person left thanks down that night than me to get oh, yeah. win a race. Hero's colours, yeah. Yeah, Cross Stitch was the name of the horse in the yeah, purple yeah. and white checks. That's it. And Julie, uh, Julie Donlan, Kevin's daughter, mm. she said to me, she used to say to me, and even at Kevin's funeral, she said, I still don't, Mum and I, and that, we still don't know how you won on that race at all. So they wouldn't go up the barrier, really, but you got him to go up the barrier and come straight out and let all the way to win. He said, mm. We still talk about that. She said, but they Dennis drove that horse and it won because they reckon he was a horrid horse like the handle and mm. might have been there still the same. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. He liked you, Dennis, and so, yeah, did, uh, and so did all those in harness racing during your long and successful career. We're out of time, mate. It's been a delight to catch up on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, have a super 70th birthday coming up in a week or so. Uh, get that hip fixed. Get back into action and train a few more winners. Yeah, John, I'd just like to thank everybody that's been involved with me over the years. There's too many to mention, and owners and trainers and good staff and all that. If I mention one or two, I don't want to offend the others, so I'll stick with the old cliche. They all know who they are. They all know who gave me horse, and they all know who helped me, and I appreciate all the voluntary ones a lot, and I really appreciate all their help. So they know who they are, and I'd like to thank you, John, for your contribution to Harness Racing. Uh, and interviewing all these sports people and everything and that and some of the sometimes the forgotten ones and that it just makes you feel like you're not a, a, a vase on a shelf in a room. Thank you very much, John. Lovely to catch up, Den. Thanks for joining us on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Harness Racing New South Wales has established a much-needed initiative to help harness racing participants who are struggling with personal issues through these tough times. It's called Mates for Harness, and it offers a helping hand to anybody struggling with the ravages of drug or alcohol abuse, domestic violence or mental illness. Mates for Harness is there for anybody needing a helping hand. The support group is headed up by the very experienced Morris Logue, Chaplain Colin Watts and a sports psychologist Oliver Britt. Ambassadors are on standby all over the state. In the metro area, it's Darren Binskin. The Hunter, Peter Allen. The Northwest, Leanne Flower. The Western Districts, Amy Reese. The Riverina, Seren Adams. And the Far West, Steve and Marie Robinson. If you need to talk to somebody, Mates for Harness can help www.matesforharness.com.au or ring Morris Logue on 0400 984 193. You don't